Hello and welcome to another episode of Music and Vibes. I'm your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Well guys, we are now 22 days into 2020 and I am so excited. This year I have lots of goals and things I want to do because as you know, I don't make re- I do not make resolutions. I just have goals and I write them down and I, t- and I write down underneath how I'm going to reach these goals. So one of my many goals for 2020 was to lose weight. And of course, I know you guys can identify with me because I know this is a goal a lot of people have. Um, I shared in a previous episode how for the past three years, the last time I weighed myself, I was like 125. That was like three years ago. So instead of getting back on the scale or... Seeing how much I weighed, I just assumed I still weighed 125 pounds because of the fact that I still fit in the majority of my clothes. I was still in the small. Um, nothing really changed to let me see I'm going up sizes. Now, there were a couple of times when I got into a pair of pants and I was like, oh, these don't fit or I literally could not pull them up. But I was like, well, I've had them since I was a teenager. So maybe because I've washed them so much, they shrunk. <laughs> hilarious they did not shrink but anyway that's what I said to myself that they shrunk or whatever so I didn't think of anything about it so one day I was working out in the gym with my husband and we decided to get a scale so we could wear ourselves and have some goals and something to go by because he didn't think I was 125 and I told him I really was so you know how it is you're trying to like prove listen I am 125 don't play around or whatever so we got the scale I got on it, and to my surprise, I was not 125. I was actually 145. So I was like, oh my goodness. And it was shocking because I was a whole 20 pounds more than I thought I was. So since I found that disturbing fact out, I have been spending my time exercising, going to the gym, which is what I was doing first, but I'm also changing how I eat. So this year has been my goal to get back on track by losing at least 15 to 20 pounds. And I think I want to lose 15 to 20 pounds because I'm very short. So an ideal weight for me would be between 125, maybe 130. But above that is not ideal. So I'm trying to get to my ideal weight because I want to be healthy. That is my whole thing. But in order to achieve this, I had to change how I was eating. Now, before I would eat, I ate pretty healthy, you know, fruits, veggies, whatever. But I would snack a lot in between. I would eat tons of pasta and all that other kind of, and bread. I love pasta and bread. So, of course, you know, that kind of added some pounds on too. But for the most part, I thought I was eating healthy. But I have changed the whole way I eat. So, what I do now is... um. I eat more fruits and vegetables along with intermediate fasting. So what I do is like a regular day for me would be pretty much me getting up, maybe going to the gym, getting home um, around 10 o'clock, eat like a brunch. And that brunch can be anything, it can be fruits, vegetables, um, plant-based vegetarian meat. It could be tofu. It could just be whatever. I'm trying to stay away from cheese and dairy products. Because it helps my allergies. So that's the personal thing that I'm doing. So that is why I'm trying to just stick with fruits, vegetables, tofu, plant-based, vegetarian meat, stuff like that. So that is what I try to eat in the morning. So sometimes it could just be a big fruit salad or it could be sandwiches. It could be dinner from like the night before. It could be anything. But I try to eat around 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I eat like a snack in the afternoon, maybe around 2 when I go get my kids. So I might do um, applesauce, it could be pretzels, just something, a quick snack. And then for dinner, which I try to eat around 5 o'clock, 
I'll eat something else. But then after 6 o'clock, I don't eat anything. I just drink water, and that's about it. So I don't eat anything. And I've noticed that by doing this, I have um, been able to make some progress with my weight loss. I've lost 10 pounds since I started doing this, and I'm very pleased because it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you have you snack and you eat or whatever. So, for me to lose 10 pounds by doing this has made it easy for me. I think the thing that's helped me out a lot is that I don't diet, okay? I cannot diet. If you say, Kiana, you can't eat this, then I want it. And then since I'm an adult, I'm just going to get it because I'm a grown-up. So, I don't diet. Dieting for me is bad because anytime you say you can't, then I want to do it. So, what I've done is just changed my mindset. And I was like, Kiana, you're going to, um, you're not dieting. You're just changing the way you eat. So I changed my mindset. So instead of thinking of it as a diet, because it's really not a diet, I'm making it part of my lifestyle because it's not really a difficult thing to do. Like eat breakfast, eat healthier foods, don't eat after six, go to the gym. That's not hard for me to do because I do these things most of the time. I was doing these things before. However, the eating more fruits and vegetables has made it easier for me because when you eat a lot of vegetables and fruits and stuff, you really don't have to watch how much you eat. And I think that's the thing with me. I want to just eat until I'm full. I don't want to have to look at it or count my calories for the most part because that can become a hassle. I just want to eat and not worry about it. So when I eat like the fruits and the vegetables and grains and tofu and plant-based protein, I can eat what I want. And then when I'm full, I'm done. And so I like that. And by being able to do that, I feel like I have freedom. I no longer feel constricted to eat a certain amount and then stop. I can just eat what I want. And when I'm finished and when I'm full, I can just stop. And so that, I think, has been the thing that's been key to helping me stay on track. So this is not a diet. And once I do reach my desired weight of 125, I do plan to continue to do this. Because I think, it's for me, this, this works. It works in my lifestyle. It works in what I'm trying to do. This works for me. So this is what I will be doing even after I lose the extra 10 pounds that I need to lose. And I plan to do this by the end of March, so I'm excited about that. I plan to do like a little glow up thing. But anyway, I'll talk about that another day, another time, another podcast. But I plan to do that. And once I hit that 10 pound goal that I have now, I still plan to continue eating this way. I still plan to continue to exercise even after I lose the weight. I think it's just because I feel so much better. And if I were to be totally honest, even though losing the weight feels amazing, I just want to be healthy. I want to be the person who's still running and having fun, doing things well into my 80s. Oh, yeah, wearing heels well into my 80s. Of course, I'm not even close to being 80s, and that's a long way off. But I just think it's important if I want to be this healthy person when I get older to start being healthy now while I'm young it only makes sense since a healthy lifestyle is what I want and that's what one of the things I wanted to work on in 2020 I'm doing it so I'm just telling you this story because I want you to know that we are only 22 days into the new year which means that you have not set some goals for yourself and even if you have set goals for yourself but you have not started working on them and you don't see any progress I want to encourage you Get on it. Go ahead. Do it now. We are only 22 days in. There is time. We have the rest of the year to do this. I think it's like 300 and 
32 days, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time for you to start working on goals, have a plan, and start working on these goals so you can reach them by the end of the year. So I want to encourage you, if you have not done so already, get on it. Start doing it now because thinking about what we want is not going to get us what we want. You have to think about it and you also have to do action to reach your goals. So I want to encourage you now, don't just think about it, but do some action. Now, I'm really interested in finding out what you guys want to do, what some of your goals are, and I would just love to hear from you and maybe even find out what your goals are for this year. Now, if you would like to share some of your goals with me, just go to Music and Vibes Facebook page and message me just telling me what some of your goals are for 2020. I can't wait to hear from you, and I can't wait to hear what you plan to do this year. So don't forget, message me. I can't wait to hear from you. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to be continuing our conversation about infidelity. Now, guys, if you missed this episode last week, or if you missed last week's episode of the podcast, I strongly encourage you just to go back and listen to that episode because we talked about the reasons why some men and some women are unfaithful to their spouse. Now, however, in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about how to heal and begin to rebuild your marriage after an affair because it's important for us to discuss things that may lead up to it, but it's also important to discuss how to heal. Now, I do believe it is possible to heal and rebuild your marriage after an affair, but just remember, this is not going to be an easy fix. So today, I'm going to be sharing some tips and pointers with you that can help you to rebuild your marriage after an affair. Now, in addition to what I'm going to share with you, I would also strongly encourage you guys to enlist the help of a professional counselor to assist you and your spouse and saving and rebuilding your marriage. Now, please keep in mind that healing after an affair is not going to be easy, and it's going to take a lot of hard work on the part of you and your partner, but you guys can do it. If this is what you're going through, I know you can do it. So here are some steps to help you with healing your marriage after an affair. Now, the steps I'm going to talk to you about right now, I'm going to break them down into two parts. Now, the first part I'm going to break down um, the section into is steps that the person who's unfaithful needs to take to begin restoring their marriage. And then later on in the podcast, I'll talk about the steps that the person who has been betrayed needs to take to begin to heal. Okay, so let's just say you're the person who was unfaithful in the marriage. You're the one who's straight. You cheated as it goes. So this is are some steps that you need to take to rebuild your marriage. I guess the first thing, and we all know what this is, number one, just be honest. And being honest can mean a lot of things. Being honest can mean you honestly tell what happened, you answer any questions that they have, explain any details that they want to know about, anything that they ask you, you need to be honest. Not only do you need to be honest, but you need to be honest about what led you to be unfaithful. You need to be honest about who you're unfaithful with, you need to be honest about every detail, anything that you're asked about, you need to be honest, and then you need to be honest moving forward, letting them know that they can trust you, so honesty is key, then I guess I should have put this first, so honesty is the second thing, the first thing you need to do is immediately end the affair, cease all contact and communication with the person that you're having an affair with, okay, I guess that should go without saying, but I'm just going to say and the affair sees all contact and communication with that person that you had the affair with. It's done. It's over. Do not go back. Don't revisit. End it. Let it go. And cease all contact. Then 
the next step would be, even during this part, you need to be honest so that your partner or spouse will feel like they can begin to trust you. But you got to be honest. And you have to understand that this is not going to be overnight. Like, I'm honest. I told you about it. So you should be good. No, that's not how life works. You're honest. You tell them about it. You should be good job. But you need to do more to let them know that they can trust you. The next step would be accept the consequences of your actions. Now, just saying what you did and saying a simple, I'm sorry, is not going to work. You need to accept the fact that you hurt this person. So if one day they just start screaming at you out of the blue, like you destroyed our family, this, that, and the other, you should not be getting an attitude about that, except that my actions caused this person to feel this way, and you accept the consequence. And the consequence could be they could leave you. They could divorce you. The consequence could be... They don't trust you. Well, of course, they wouldn't trust you. But the consequence could be they may not trust you. Another consequence could be there's going to be, like, anger that's going to be there. So that anger may come up at any given point in time. And you're just going to have to deal with it by reassuring them that you understand you hurt them and you are sorry. So you have to accept whatever the consequences may be for that action, you have to accept the consequences of your action. The next thing would be to give your spouse a written apology. And I'm not talking about the apologies my kids do. And here's the apologies my kids do. They'll say something mean to their sister or whatever. And then Megan, she's good for this. She'll be like, well, if I've done anything to offend you, whether I did or not, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, that's not the kind of apology that we need and that you need to be giving. Um, My other daughter, Kennedy, she'll give an apology like, I'm sorry. And I'll be like, for what? I'm sorry. So another I'm sorry will not work as well. The apology that you have to give is more like the apology my youngest daughter Dawson gives. When she does something wrong, she says, I'm sorry for. So that's the beginning. Now, of course, you can't just say, I'm sorry for having an affair. You can, but they need more than that. They need an apology saying, I'm sorry for this. I was wrong. This hurts you in these ways. I shouldn't have done it. It was my fault. You need to do that. So you can give a written apology. I also think a verbal apology is good too. So it should be a verbal apology or written apology. You should just apologize. They need to know that you are really sorry and that you get that they hurt you, that you hurt them. They need to understand that you get that you hurt them. So give an apology. I would suggest for both a verbal and a written apology. Um, Take responsibility for your action. Don't go into it with an attitude like, well, I wouldn't have done this if you had been doing this. No, no, no. That's not how it goes. Remember when we talk about this, you are responsible for yourself. So no matter what this person has done, no matter what you think your spouse did to make you feel like you had to do this, it was your choice to have an affair. So you cannot blame them for your choice. You have to accept responsibility. I was wrong. I did this. I shouldn't have. And once you start thinking like that, it'll be easier for you to understand how you've hurt them, what you did wrong. But of course, I'm sure most people know what they did wrong. So take responsibility for your action. Don't try to put blame on anybody or anything else. It was you. So take that responsibility and accept it and just be a mature person and let them know that you take responsibility for your actions and that you were wrong. Another step would be to redefine redefine sexual intimacy. And I think it's good for both people because for the person who has um, had an affair, they need to define and redefine how they can be 
sexually intimate with their spouse. And the reason I say this is because they may feel pressure to perform in the bedroom, to let their spouse know that, oh my goodness, I really love you. I'm really sorry. You know, let's do this. And it may not work. It may backfire because they're trying too hard and they are putting too much pressure on themselves. So redefine what sexual intimacy is for you if you are the person who have a trait your spouse. Because if you try to go into it by trying to put all this extra pressure on yourself and you're unable to perform satisfactory, well, satisfactory, okay, if you are unable to perform the way that you normally do, then your spouse is going to feel like, oh, it's me. And that can start a whole nother can of worms that you don't want to get into. So just talk about it and redefine sexual intimacy and grow from there together so that you guys can begin to rebuild trust. Another thing I'm going to say is don't try to force your spouse to forgive you. Yes. Now, my kids do it all the time. They're like, I said, sorry, you should forgive me. And then they get mad if their sister don't want to forgive them. The point is that you hurt them. It may be hard for them to honestly and truly forgive you at this time. So what you need to do is expect for it to take some time and let them forgive you in your time. While they're working on themselves trying to forgive you or work through what they're working through because you have to remember they are grieving it's like you have really broken their trust and they have to go through a grieving process to even accept your apology and to forgive you and to move forward in a healthy conducive way in your marriage so don't try to force them to hurry up and forgive you because that's not going to allow them the grieving process that they need the grieving time that they need to have excuse me for this process so don't force them to forgive you Continue to do what you're doing to let them know that you're sorry, rebuild confidence, rebuild trust, etc. But let them forgive you in your own time. And please be understanding that they're going to forgive me. It's just going to take some time. Be understanding about the time that's going to take them to go through the stages of grief so that they can go through these stages, be in a better place and be able to forgive you. Another thing is don't expect them just to move on. Because as I said, they cannot just move on. When you hurt someone like this, it's going to take time for them to be able to move forward. And they may never just move on and act like it never happened, but they'll be able to move forward with you in a healthier relationship. So realize it's going to take some time and don't expect them to just move on. Realize that you need to rebuild their trust again, because sometimes people take for granted that um, trust is just automatically going to happen because you said you're sorry or because you said, hey, I hurt you. I'm sorry. But that's not how it works. Trust is something that is hard to gain. Trust is very hard to get, but it's so easy to lose. So in a marriage, once you lose the trust of your spouse, it's going to be very hard to get it back. But if you understand this, you'll understand that it's going to take some time. You'll have some patience while you're working toward rebuilding trust. And then you won't get all upset and angry and frustrated because you understand it's going to take some time. So you're going to have to be understanding on your part to understand this is not an easy fix. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but with time and healing, your relationship can be better than what it used to be. Be committed to the whole process of trying to restore your marriage and trying to heal. Because so many people try to start doing things, and then when it gets hard, they walk away or don't want to do it. Understand it's going to be hard, but then commit to yourself and to your spouse that no matter how hard it gets, you are going to be committed to rebuilding trust and restoring that relationship. So be committed. And 
as I've already said, know that it's going to take some time to rebuild their trust. So if you're the person who had the affair, just realize that you have to be honest. You have to accept responsibility and accept the consequences of your actions. Give your spouse an apology, both written and verbal. um, Redefine sexual intimacy. Don't try to force your spouse to forgive you. And don't expect your spouse to just move on. And realize that it's going to take time to rebuild their trust in you again. And be committed for a long haul so that no matter how long it takes, you'll be committed to rebuilding your relationship with them. And then work on communication because open communication will help you be more honest and it will help the process. So that is what you need, some steps you need to start taking to rebuild the trust in your marriage and also to begin healing. Now, For the person who has um, been betrayed in the marriage, here are some steps that you need to take to begin the healing process. First, ask lots of questions. And here's why it's important to ask lots of questions. Because it's important to find out why somebody did something. What led to this? How did we get here? What did you do? Ask any of the detailed questions you want to know. What led up to the affair? What happened during the affair? What led them to have the affair? Ask those questions because you're not asking these questions just to like open wound, open the wound again and like make yourself think about this unpleasant situation. But you're asking the questions because you need to know what happened. You need to know what led to this. If you want to fix a problem, you can't just fix a problem without knowing what went wrong. It's almost like you your pipes break in the house, right? So let's say your pipes broke and water's all over the floor and you call a mechanic to fix, you call the plumber to fix your pipes. Now, he's not going to come in and just say, oh, water, and just water is all over the kitchen, let me just fix it. No, because you can't fix it without looking at it. He's going to actually go through, he's going to do a diagnostic, he's going to see what's wrong with the pipes, why they broke, what happened to make them break, so that he can tell you, and then together, you can pay him, of course, and he can fix the problem. So, ask lots of questions because remember, you're doing this because you want to restore your marriage. You want it to be better. You want to fix it and work on it. So, in order to work on it and fix it and to restore it and heal it, you have to ask lots of questions so you'll know what went wrong and you can begin to work on those issues. Because a lot of times, cheating is, how can I put it? It's not the illness. It's not like the main problem. It's a result of several problems and issues. So if you work on the problems and issues that caused this to happen, then you can work on resolving it and healing your marriage. I would say balance rage with a need for information. Now you will be angry, but don't let that anger overtake you to the point where you're not getting the information that you need to help the healing process begin. Another good thing is don't let... It consume you. So if you're talking about to your spouse, asking questions about what happened with the affair and talking to your spouse about the affair, I would encourage you to get a timer and we have them on our phones. Maybe a half an hour you'll talk about the affair and you'll talk about what happened and how it hurt you. And then after that, don't talk about it anymore because the more you talk about it, the more it will consume you, the more you'll have more questions, it'll just mess with your mind. So talk about it. For a t- set a time limit, talk about it, but don't let it consume you and be the only thing you guys discuss in a 24-hour period because that is not healthy. Another thing is to expect the unexpected. Now, here's what I mean by that. Your spouse may be defensive. They may deflect. 
and they may get angry. So expect these type of behaviors. And when you expect these behaviors, you know that you need to let them know, listen, I understand you're upset, but we need to talk about this. And you discuss the affair and not let their issues and their problems and their anger make you stop talking about the issue at hand, which is the affair. Now, don't forgive too quickly. That's another step because it's going to take you time to grieve the affair. It's it's a loss. Like you lost the trust in your marriage. You lost the faithfulness in your marriage. It's a loss. And so like any loss in life, you're going to need that time to grieve the loss. So take the necessary time and the time that you need to grieve. Now, when I say don't forgive too quickly, I'm not saying don't be like hateful, whatever. Yeah, I'm saying don't be hateful. Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is sometimes we cheat ourselves out of the grieving process because we want to make the other person happy or we're afraid that they're going to leave or whatever. But give yourself the time to grieve because if you don't grieve, it's going to come back later on in the relationship and there's going to be issues with trust. There's going to be a lot of different issues. So grieve the affair and don't forgive too quickly. Take the time that you need to grieve and to heal and to move forward. Um, Another step that I would um, recommend would be set up boundaries and some rules. Now, at first, it may seem ridiculous, and people are probably like, what? Rules? Yes, you need to set up some rules and boundaries because it's going to be hard to move forward with someone you don't trust. So if you're struggling with trust right now, which would be understandable because your trust was broken, then what you need to do is set up some boundaries that you both agree on. Like, listen, you cannot do this. I don't expect you to do that. If you are on the phone and I come in the room, I need to see who you're talking to, what you're doing. Set up some boundaries and set up some rules so that you can guide how this is going to work out. So you can give yourself peace of mind that, okay, he's working toward being honest with me or she's working toward being faithful and being honest. So set up some boundaries and set up some rules. I would also recommend that you share responsibility for what happened. Now, let me just say it's not your fault. He or she made that decision. But you have to look at the things that happened before. Like I said before in number one, ask lots of questions. And you do this so that you can find out what went wrong. Because if you find out what went wrong, you can see, okay, well, maybe I neglected to do this, this, or that. Now, that's you are not the cause of the affair. But if you know what went wrong and why they felt that way, then whatever small responsibility you may have in this, you will be able to recognize it. Because we have to be honest, a marriage is with two people. And when things go wrong in the marriage, it's not just him, it's not just her, it's both of you. Now, whether your contribution to what happened is huge or whether it's small and minor, you have some responsibility in it based on something you may have done, said, etc. Maybe you had an affair before, I don't know. But you've done something or something has happened that would make, that would um, let this person feel that this is what they need to do. Now, is it your fault? No, it's not your fault because they are in charge of themselves and it was their decision. So it's not your fault, but you need to see what happens so that you can make sure that anything that you may share responsibility in, in having this situation occur, that you work on it and find out what it is so that you both can work on it. And I would also let you know I encourage you to remember that people can change. So many times you hear things like, once a cheater, always a cheater. And that's not always true. I've come to find out that sometimes cheating is a response to something that has happened to a person, maybe insecurity, maybe a way they were feeling alone, depressed, whatever. 
it is a result of something the majority of the time. Now, there are people out there who are serial cheaters or people out there who have sexual addictions and that causes them to cheat all the time and be unfaithful to their partner. But a lot of the times, that's not it. So just because he or she may have cheated on you doesn't mean it's going to be a continual thing. There have been instances and there have been times where people cheated once and they never did it again. So you just have to remember that people can change and just because they did it once, that's not always an indication or an indicator that they're going to continue to do it. So that should help you have some peace of mind if you're thinking about moving forward in your marriage and forgiving the person. You can know that some people, it is a serial kind of thing, but a lot of the people, the majority of people, it's not. They do it once. They see how bad it hurt. They learn their lesson and they never do it again. So just keep in mind that people can change. Another thing that I think it would be good to remember, because so many times we think of cheating as like a end all, a deal breaker, and a lot of times it is, but I want to let you know that there are statistics showing that people who have been in long-term relationships for like 50 years, even 60 years, a lot of these marriages has encountered an affair in this marriage, but they work through it. So a good reality check for you would be to know that, okay, it happened. We can work through this. Have some hope. Like you can work through this. This is something that you can work through. Now, if it's a situation where you just know there is no way you want to work through this, can't, you just cannot do it, then I'm not telling you to go ahead and do it. But I'm saying if you feel that your marriage can survive and it can work out, then I would encourage you to try to work through this because a lot of people who have been married for long periods of time have gone through this and they've come out on the other side with a healthier relationships, better relationships, and a healthy and thriving marriage. So I would encourage you to just think about this as you make your decision. Now, as you begin to trust more, then it would be a time for you to ease up on some of the rules that you have. Now, when I said set up boundaries and some rules, now some of those rules might have been hard. It may have been like, of course, you don't trust the person. These rules were very, how can I put it? They were strict. So you can ease up as you begin to trust again. You can ease up on some of these strict rules. Like, for instance, I mentioned if you have a rule where if you come into the room and he and he or she is on the phone, that you get to see who it is. Or if they're on a computer, you get to walk up behind them and see what they're doing. Or you get to go through their phone and search their phone or whatever the case may be. Whatever rules you agreed upon. But as you begin to trust more, ease up on some of those rules. Because you're letting the person know, okay, I'm beginning to trust you again. And you're giving them some kind of confidence to let them know that this is not always going to be this way. That I am working hard to rebuild trust. They see it and we are letting go and easing up on some of those rules. So as you begin to trust again, and as your marriage begins to get better, you can ease up on some of those rules. Another thing you can do is find a support system. Find someone to talk to who has either gone through what you're going through, or as I always say, talk to family, friends, but you can't talk to all your family and you can't talk to all your friends about it. There has to be a trusted person that you can share this information with, a trusted person who can give you good advice but not tell you, girl, I think you should leave them, or man, if that was me, I would do such and such, because you don't need to know what they would do, because their situation is not yours, and what may work for them may not work for you. So you need to find someone who 
has a level head, who's not quick to judgment, someone who will just listen, a good listening ear as a support system to encourage you while you make your decision and just be there for you to support you and not tell you what to do. I would also say um, another tip would be to spend time together without talking about the affair. So maybe you guys could go on a day trip somewhere and just reconnect. Talked about things that made you love this person when you got married, why you got married. Just spend some time together without talking about the affair and talking about what made you love each other in the beginning. So spend some time together doing that. Just reconnecting and bonding. And the last step I'm going to give is just forgive when you are ready. Now, forgiveness is important because, as I always say, when you don't forgive, it's almost like swallowing a bottle of poison to get back at somebody else. And that never works till you just hurt yourself in the end. So forgive, but do it when you're ready. Do it when you've grieved. Because once you fully and truly forgive someone, then you'll be able to trust them again. You'll be able to rebuild and your marriage can begin the healing process. So forgive when you are ready to forgive. Now, now that we've gone over some of the steps for healing after an affair, you can understand why it's important and why I'm telling you, you should probably enlist the help of a marriage counselor to help you both navigate through this difficult time in your marriage. Because even with your good intentions and what you want to do, a counselor has training. They will be able to help you. I say it like this when I talk about counselors. If you're sick, all right, some people try to fix, do home remedies and fix their illness at home, which is not recommended because if you're sick, you go to a doctor. If you have a toothache, you see a dentist. If, you have, if you're having problems with your eyes, you go to see the eye doctor. So it only makes sense that if you are having issues in your marriage and you need to move on and heal from an affair, that you will see a marriage counselor because a marriage counselor is like a doctor. They can help you with your marriage. They can help you work through certain things and navigate through difficult situations and times in your marriage. And seeing a counselor can also help you be honest because if you're not honest with the counselor, it's not going to work. So that can also help if a counselor can help because it will kind of, not force you to be honest, but it will kind of um, help you to be honest and talk about these difficult um, emotions and feelings and situations in a controlled environment where there's someone who you both trust and they're talking you through it. They're not telling you what to do. They're not telling you how to feel. They're just there to monitor the situation. They're there to make sure you guys talk and work it out. And they have no say so in what you guys decide. It's them helping and encouraging you to work together on your marriage. So that is why I say it's important to talk to a marriage counselor. And I want you guys to keep in mind, please keep this in mind, that it's not going to be easy. But with a lot of commitment and hard work, your marriage can once again be a happy and thriving marriage, but it's going to take a lot of hard work and understanding from both of you. So just keep this in mind that this is a process and that's going to take some time. But know that it's possible for your marriage to survive an affair. It's possible for your marriage to heal. It's possible for your marriage to thrive after an affair. Now, the song that we're going to listen to today is called Tell Me Everything. And it's about a woman who has been betrayed by her partner in some way or other. And she's trying to begin the healing process and restoration process in her marriage. So, here's the song, Tell Me Everything. These haven't been easy And I thank you 
talk to me Your actions have caused me pain And it's not hard for you to see That my cousin you has gone away And I don't know if I should stay I am willing to give you a chance But I need to know what happened that day If you want me to trust you sponsorship of Music and Vibes. Anique Music is the publishing company that represents all the music heard here on the show. So thank you so much, Anique Music, for your continued support. I also don't want to end the show without telling you guys thank you for hanging out with me every week. I have seen an increase in listenership, and I think that it's because you guys are sharing the podcast with other people. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And if you have not... um gone to iTunes to subscribe, please don't forget, go subscribe, because within the next couple of months, we're going to be doing some exciting things, I might be throwing out an extra episode here and there, and in order for you to get these extra episodes, you're going to have to subscribe to the show, but don't worry, I'm going to make this easy for you, because I'm going to put the link to iTunes in the show notes, so that all you have to do is click on that link, and then you can hit the subscribe button, 
and you would have subscribed to the show. So, if you go to and subscribe while you're there, you can just leave me a review. Since you're already there, you know, no pressure. <laughs> you're already there, just leave your review and for the show, and I would greatly appreciate that. I would also like to encourage you guys to continue to share the episode of this podcast with your friends and your family. And the great thing about it is I have been doing this for a long time. So if you don't, if you find that this is not a podcast, this episode is not going to help one of your friends, but you think another one will, you can share any episode and you can just go on iTunes and you can find the show and you can just share the episode. Or if you want to share the episode that we heard this week, all you have to do is, you can, they have a, a way you can share it from your phone to another friend. So yes, please share this episode with a friend and then go find another episode that you think may be good for another friend and share that episode with a friend. And you can do that. You can also share and listen to other episodes by going to our website, which is musicandvibes.com. And you can share episodes of the podcast. You can listen to older episodes of the podcast. You can read our blogs. There's a lot you can do there. So just go there and check it out and listen to the episodes and just check out the website and let me know what you think. All right. Well, guys, if you want to contact me, please remember you can do this. All you have to do is go to our Facebook page, which is Music and Vibes Podcast. Go to the Facebook page, message me, and I promise I will answer your message and we can connect that way. Or if you want to connect with me on Instagram, and I go there a lot, just go to um, the Music and Vibes page on Instagram. Our handle for that is at Music and Vibes. So go there and then DM me and I will get back to you. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me. I really enjoy spending time with you every week and I can't wait to talk to you later. But until then, I'll talk to you later and have a great week. Bye-bye.